You are not the delivery guy. Who is it? Some guy in a cape! I'm, so, I'm sorry, who are you? I am Brock. I, I mean, I am merely a traveler in the night. May I come in? We're actually recording our podcast right now. Oh, oh, very interesting. Perhaps I might uh, indulge. May I come in? Our show contains words and situations that might not be appropriate for young listeners. My youthful appearance disguises an old soul of exquisite taste and refinement. I must experience this podcast for myself. You must invite me. Yeah, not so fast. Our show is not for everyone. Each week, we look into claims we find online, answer listener questions, and... And say bad words. I know many of these bad words. Words like... <laughs> and... <laughs> and I want to suck your blood. Not all bad say that. Some eat fruit and bugs. It's a coin toss, really. No, bad... Bad words. Bad like, um... Bad like... Yeah, I, I didn't think we'd call back to that, but it it's a good example. So are you coming in or not? Uh, you know, I, I just remembered I have something of grave importance to attend to. I must be off. Don't forget to rate us five stars and follow us on social media! You're the present sucks! <laughs> <laughs> Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to Fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do But we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth What do we know? A trips to telephones that are no different to you Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name's Ryan Placetti, and I am here to disentangle you from the dark, still-beating heart of the internet. Uh, and I'm Matt Saintsing and didn't realize we had Pennywise the Clown here in studio. <laughs> <laughs> and who's that creeping up behind Matt and the camera? It's me, Cap. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I thought I felt a little cap, cap, cap on my shoulder. <laughs> a little cap, cap, capping on your chamber door? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so who's Cap? I am a player, sometimes keeper, on the actual play podcast Shrimp and Crits. You can find me through the social medias for the show. We asked Cap to be on the show because every other week, Shrimping Crits puts out a brand new episode of their show, which is currently, and currently they're using the play system Monster of the Week. It is kind of a comic horror podcast. <laughs> I know you're a D&D nerd. Have you, have you played Monster of the Week? Actually, I prefer Monster of the Week to Dungeons and Dragons. Hot take. Ooh, all your nerd friends are super pissed at you right now. <laughs> If you haven't noticed, we changed out our opening today. This is our Halloween special, hopefully an annual tradition moving forward. But that means that all the topics we're going to be addressing today are just a little bit spooky. So scary. They're scary. Yeah. Let's put a double disclaimer on this one. Not only are we going to be talking (laughs) about adult topics, but some of those adult topics are going to have monsters in them. They're going to be scary. They they could be monstered buttholes, monster dicks. Don't bring John Hamm back up. No, (laughs) wow. No, I no, wasn't good, but now that you have, let's talk about it. No, no, <laughs> I'm putting John's ham hock into a shallow grave and burying it. That joke is dead because I really have trouble reconciling the ethics of talking about John's ham of all of all John's ham penises. That's, it's like Surgeon's General. <laughs> I think you're doing a disservice by making a shallow grave. <laughs> it's going to have to be at least a ten inch grave. <laughs> I struggle with the ethics of talking about a man's penis without his permission. Is that sexual harassment? Is it not no. sexual harassment? So we're going to bury John Hamm's penis in something and just forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Matt, would you describe the boxer briefs that Facebook has recommended to you? So I started listening to Shrimp and Crits, and then immediately I got targeted ad for Mothman boxer briefs. <laughs> and these honestly look pretty nice. They got the beating red eyes of the Mothman. If you're unfamiliar with Mothman is, it's a real piece of American folklore. I don't know if the fact that since I've been listening to the show, I get this ad or that I am dating someone who is half an hour away from Point Pleasant where Mothman resides. I like that you were willing to take this screenshot of this pair of this pair of underwear here with what looks to be 1% battery. 
you really I, did it for the show, and I appreciate I, you. I am nothing if not a gambler. Uh, I like I, I live life on the edge, Cap. All right, I don't want to. <laughs> Were you in the woods? You have no service and no battery. I'm like I'm a, I, I have a hatchet and like a torn twenty dollar bill, and I'm like, hold on a second, I got to find food, but first I got to send Ryan this fucking hilarious screen cap. <laughs> So uh, to kick us off on this spooky journey here, uh, I have a no stupid question, which if you're a new listener to the show and which we hope you are uh, welcome uh, every week or so. Ryan and I take questions uh, from Reddit, r slash no stupid questions. It may be the only place on the Internet there are no stupid questions, I think, at this point. I, it's a supernatural effect, I think. So what what is the not stupid question that you brought to us today, Matt? So this one comes from user. It's either snow cauliflowers to. 925 or snoo cauliflowers 2925 i like to think it's snoo s-n-o-o this isn't funny but for your knowledge snoo is the name of the reddit icon the little guy i did not know that those are called snoos oh we are dead to reddit i guess we are we are we are simply we're uncast nobody has to know we are travelers we are tourists exploiting reddit for all of its gold and none of its culture Uh, But he asks, or they ask, what would it take to actually prove the existence of ghosts? I know there's all these ghost hunter type TV shows with all their EMF readers and stuff. But what would it take for actual science to prove the existence of spirits? What kind of tools would be used? Uh, First question here. What if Snoo Cauliflower's 2925 is a ghost who doubts themselves? Oh, he's trying to, how do I believe in my, <laughs> how do I believe in myself? Can science even prove that I exist? Uh, well, it's a good question. So I think the, the first to jump off this question, we have to answer the question, what is a ghost? You have to come up with a standard definition. Okay. What'd you come up with? Well, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Research. <laughs> <laughs> Making me do all the work here, right? So I would say a ghost is a spirit or a dead person that somehow can interact with the living world. Casper the Friendly Ghost, the movie in the 1990s starring Christina Ricci. And the president from Independence Day. And the president from Independence Day, Bill. Was that Bill Paxton? Bill Pullman. Oh, uh, yeah. I get my Pullmans and my Paxtons mixed up, so thank you. Rest in Paxton, he died last few years ago. Is Bill Pullman dead too? No, but Bill Paxton might be a ghost, is what I'm saying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let's get him on the line. Yeah. Do a seance. <laughs> I think that's a fair definition of the popular understanding of what a ghost is. So ghosts interact through a variety of phenomenon. You might have ghost sounds, spectral images, and uh, in the case of poltergeist, physical. What you're saying is that a ghost has to satisfy one of the five senses. Taste? What does a ghost taste like? I I mean, in Ghostbusters, there was a scene that... That's right. That's right. Well, there's five senses. It's umami. Sour, salty, bitter, Ecto- ectoplasm, 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 and spicy, which I, which Matt tells me is not a not a taste, but that's okay. I can live with that. People can yeah. feel ghosts. They get brushed on the shoulder. They they hear things. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Taste is the outlier here, but I think with a little more research we could probably find. What I, I think what we're getting here too is that a a ghost is someone or something that can affect the world or the simulation that, that, that we're living in, right? Like, And uh, my first hang up is if a ghost is from some forward beyond that can somehow reach back into our world, there should be a way humans can observe and record that and reproduce it in an experiment. Now, I guess the question is, do we have the technology? Uh, before we get into that, that's a good question for the, the evidence of ghosts. But I think how many people believe in ghosts, right? And this is actually kind of fascinating. Uh, Chapman University, there runs a yearly survey. They ask people in the United States about their beliefs in the paranormal. In 2018, over half agreed to the statement, places can be haunted by spirits. Okay. Over half. That's more people. That that's more people than eligible voters who decided to go to the polls in the last election. <laughs> more, more people. More people. More people believe in a ghost than uh, voted for Hillary Clinton almost as much as voted for Kanye <laughs> right in twenty sixteen. Yeah, I thought it would yeah. be more. That's less than I thought. <clears throat> well, really? I think, like widely accepted. Well, I, I think if you ask the people the angels question, I think oh, angels yeah. actually mm. rate higher than ghosts because because they're better. Religious they're communities better. <laughs> are kind of on the fence about ghosts because. There's a lot of people within certain religious denominations who would say that all ghosts are, in fact, demons trying to trick us. Yeah. Sure. Over half of this people and a one in five people in, in a Pew study 
uh, said that they have been in the presence of a ghost. We want to talk about the technology, right? There are certainly ghost hunting TV shows or people with so-called scientific equipment looking to record or measure spirit activity. And what I think is once you get numerous edited photos and videos, it doesn't really seem like evidence, right? It just seems like content that they're making to sell. I know I've mentioned this on the show and certainly on Twitter recently, I flexed my thermographic muscles for a shrimp and crits post. Oh, we know. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. (laughs) My watch just buzz, buzz, buzz. You say that with such conviction. (laughs) You're like, oh, thank you. I I felt the warmth of that moment. (laughs) Uh, With with a lot of the scientific equipment, they're designed for lab style settings or controlled settings with knowledgeable users. Yeah. And I cannot guarantee the credentials of people who are consider themselves to be professional ghost hunters, because to my knowledge, there is no certification process for that <laughs> uh, with a scientifically rigorous background. For example, thermal imagers, like, uh, you can get thermal <laughs> reflections. If you point that thing at something that is uh, like a glossy surface, it could actually reflect back your own body heat at you. Oh, um, my God, a ghost. You mean a ghost? Right. So if you, <laughs> glass is actually a perfect reflector of thermal energy which means if you point that camera at a window, you're literally going to see a shape of a human being. And the human being you're seeing is you because it's like looking in a mirror. So there's a lot of things that people may not understand as they're using the equipment that could be misinterpreted as spectral activity. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think your equipment is only as scientific as the person using it. You may own the world's most sophisticated thermometer, but if you're trying to measure humidity, you're going to fuck it up, right? It's worthless. In these shows, they have Geiger counters, uh, EMF detectors, ion detectors, right? Infrared cameras with sensitive microphones on there. Can science, which deals with observing and describing our natural world, can they describe the supernatural slash metaphysical slash paranormal? Are you trying to tell me that the TikTok filter for finding ghosts is not going to uh, work for me? <laughs> no, no, that's true. That, okay, that one's true. Okay. No, that is true. That is true. That was true. Work, it's the yeah. only one. Okay, yeah. just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think if the ghosts are able to affect change in the world, then we should be able to see it and measure it with actual equipment, not just like shit some guy gets on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other factor is... A lot of this stuff is being made for television. Yeah, of course. You're selling it. It's You're selling it. Yeah. yeah. So when you watch shows like Ghost Hunters, it's the same as when you tune into Ancient Aliens. So when uh, so when they go to a place like Gobekli Tepe and say, it is impossible for human beings to have constructed this at that point. It's like there are actual archaeological explanations for why this monumental architecture is occurring in ancient times. They're just not interviewing experts. And I have to tell you, I've been to AlienCon like two or three times now. It is an experience. <laughs> I'm not saying aliens don't exist. I'm just saying that there is a rational explanation for how human beings came up with the idea of pyramids. It turns out (laughs) that's the best way to stack rocks. (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah. If I were devising a way to pile rocks on top of each other, I think I'd stumble across a pyramid pretty quickly. (laughs) Well, we see how good the the English did it with, uh, what's it called? Stonehenge. 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 Yeah, that's a little little less than pyramids. No, that was definitely aliens, though. (laughs) (laughs) That, That one, that was alien ghost i did see uh recently there was an article that says we now know what we now know what the stonehenge is made out of and i was like yeah rocks (laughs) (laughs) no no, no, no (laughs) shit right we're kind of dancing around it but if you guys heard of table turning this uh, this phenomenon in the 19th century in england and the united states yes they would do seances and then the table would turn or physically or physically lift or you would hear knocks in the in the ceiling knocks from the floor Absolutely. You hit table turning on the head. It's a seance. But Michael Faraday came up with with an experiment that disproves the table turning is real. What he did is he took two tables and stacked them on top of each other with insulated one with the other from with rubber and ball bearings. He had people touch the top table and he says, "Okay, if there's a ghost here, go ahead and move the table. What you would expect is the bottom table to turn and not the top one. But what happened was the the top table was moving first and then the bottom one saying that, okay, this is actual people unconsciously turning the table with their hands. It's not unlike how a Ouija board works. Like light light is a feather stiff as a board. Exactly. Okay. I think that gets back to the, the fundamental question that I think a lot of skeptics use is that it's not the burden to prove that it's not real. It's the burden to prove that it is real. You know, when you're trying to talk about how can we prove it's real? You need to rule out every other single explanation first. So that's really difficult to do. But speaking of physical evidence for ghosts, I ran across a post on Reddit. This is a screenshot of a Tumblr post 
uh, from user Pipistrellus, which happens to be thematically on point for this week's Halloween episode. A Pipistrellus is actually a kind of bat. Oh, I did not know that. Happy Halloween, guys. Scree! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, by the way, um, uh, for those who haven't done the math, Matt and I were both in that skit at the beginning of the episode. The person playing our Dracula was, in fact, Cap. So kudos to you. I hope you get a daytime Emmy this year. Oh, thank you so much. In the post, it talks about going to a local site that, with a memorial dedicated to submariners that indicates that more than 3,000 sailors are, quote, still on patrol. Then the user states that this implies the existence of thousands of World War II submarine ghosts, which is... Kind of fun to think about. I looked into this claim, and in fact, the Navy does have a tradition of denying the deaths of of submariners (laughs) um, in a way. So there are a number of submarine memorials, generally in coastal areas. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Navy. There are a couple submarine memorials. There's one. uh, The West Coast site for America's World War II submarine memorial is in Naval Weapons Station Seal Beach. It was dedicated in 1977 after a five-year search for a suitable location by a veterans group. Hmm. Brighton, Connecticut is home to the Naval Submarine Base New London, and they have the East Coast location for the memorial. And there's also a smaller memorial in the San Diego area. Uh, Both the East Coast and the West Coast sites have eternal patrol plaques, which basically state that 52 submarines and 3,000 plus sailors are still on patrol. They do, however, acknowledge that those Navy personnel died. So the Navy itself is not perpetuating the idea that there are ghost ships out there plying the seas and presumably protecting all dead Americans from dead Japanese zero fighters or destroyers. (laughs) But in spite of that, there is a uh, there is a rich history of nautical spectral ships, the Flying Dutchman. Have you guys seen Pirates of the Caribbean? The first one, maybe. Yes. I haven't seen any of them. Okay. Well, the uh, the Flying Dutchman is actually really interesting. So it, it first appears in the written record as early as 1790. The Flying Dutchman originally is said to have been a ship that encountered bad weather off the coast of the Cape of Good Hope. And, and in later myths, they started adding on things like uh, the captain made a deal with the devil and, and so forth throughout literature. Famously on the television program, SpongeBob SquarePants. The Flying Dutchman is uh, in there quite often with its ghost captain. Yep. Oh, what's the name of the ghost captain on that? I think they call him the Flying Dutchman. Oh, they call him the Flying Dutchman because by the mid 1800s, they actually identify a captain named Vanderdecken as the person who made a deal with the devil or made a some sort of boast that the devil was like, oh, yeah, I'll take you on that one. I think he just challenged him to a fiddle competition in Georgia is what he did. I'm just kind of pissed off that the Pentagon doesn't have a secret Navy ghost funding program. (laughs) (laughs) So in the case of spectral ghost ships like the Flying Dutchman, there are actually some scientific explanations for that to speak to your earlier point, Matt. So in that case, you have an observed phenomenon, which is in some cases like the Flying Dutchman. It's called the Flying Dutchman because it's said to be floating above the water. So that's not the actual name of the vessel. That's the name given to the vessel by the sailors who have witnessed this phenomenon. The name was just the Dutchman. No, it's a flying Dutchman. (laughs) (laughs) There's that Dutch bastard over there just flying around, (laughs) making deals with the devil. Uh, But there are some scientific explanations. Uh, They're sometimes called the Superior Mirage or a Fata Morgana, which is a beautiful Arthurian allusion to the witchly sister of King Arthur. Oh, the more you know. Morgana Le Fay. Of course you would know. (laughs) Yeah, we've had dealings. So a Fata Morgana is actually a kind of mirage caused by light being cast typically at an angle through air of different temperatures, which can distort the path of light, causing perfectly mundane objects like, say, a ship on the horizon to appear to float or change shape. That's offensive to ships. Mundane. I think a ship is kind of badass in the water. (laughs) (laughs) Mundane is in not magical. (laughs) Not flying. Oh, oh, gotcha. But what's interesting is that the term ghost ship is actually also used to describe derelict ships. And this is your chance to say derelict. Derelict my balls. (laughs) (laughs) Every now and again. Ships do wash ashore or get discovered at sea without any crew or with the crew completely deceased. Yeah, yeah. 
So some cool examples of that. Some some cool examples of everybody <laughs> dying on a ship. It's not uncommon. Sea travel is extraordinarily dangerous and better part of the last thousand years was the best way to cover long distances for both trade purposes and travel. An interesting example of this uh, would be, say, the 1871 whaling disaster. Off the coast of Alaska in 1871, uh, there was a fleet of whaling ships. So there was an unseasonable change in weather. The ice closed in and blocked uh, and blocked off their exit. As the ice moves in, it catches ships. The ships get crushed. Whoa. The crews had to abandon ships. So 33 vessels get stuck in this. Oh, man. The crews of these vessels, they were able to walk across the ice and they were rescued by seven whaling vessels that didn't get trapped. It's said that one one man decided to stay behind on the uh, Massachusetts, which was one of the ships, in order to essentially claim the cargo because he would have salvage rights at that point. Huh. Some of the ships were later recovered. They, they survived the ice. The ice thawed and... They were out, but most of the ships were destroyed in the process. Of course, the string musician stayed on to play a final song. <laughs> He's just like, I'm not leaving. Captain, you can go, but I'm going to play this one out. <laughs> I just want to see where it's going. Yeah, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> uh, but derelict ghost ships are something that continues into modern times. So the MV Alta was constructed in 1976. It was on a journey between Greece and Haiti when its engines failed. The crew was rescued by the Coast Guard, and the ship was left adrift. What year was this? Uh, 2018. Okay. Okay. So the the ship was left adrift. It was spotted in 2019 uh, south of Bermuda. Wow. Yeah, then it ends up washing ashore uh, during Superstorm Dennis in 2020 in Cork County, Ireland. That does sound like a ghost ship if I've ever heard one. It went to the Bermuda Triangle and everything. It went on vacation. So for for two years, this thing was lost at sea? Yeah. Wow, that's kind of crazy. It happens, but think about it. Like, if you have to abandon ship because a ship is, in this case, old and not salvageable. Since the Earth is our trash can, we just let it. <laughs> yeah. We do with everything else we in our world. Just poke some holes in it, let it go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Throw into the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> How would you feel if you were the Coast Guard in Ireland and the ship is just slowly approaching and then it's getting faster and it's not answering any radio signals? <laughs> Like, I would get my holy water and my crosses ready because I've read Dracula. True. You got to invite him in, right? If if this was a U.S. Coast Guard, they would just bomb the shit out of it. They would, absolutely. <laughs> well, speaking of Dracula, we have a question from our Am I the Asshole? <laughs> that is one of my favorite forums because, surprise, it's full of very interesting people who may or may not be the asshole. Very interesting people like yeah. you gothic vampire brat. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell it's it, it's on theme for the show, so I like it already. They are a self-described 23-year-old woman who is getting married next Halloween, so we still have time to help. This is only a three-month-old post. There are days between the airing of this episode and this wedding where you, our listener, can intervene on this person's behalf and let them know whether they're being the asshole. They want to throw a royal vampire ball-themed wedding. I would go to that. So if you know a gothic vampire bride, please let them know to listen to the show. Recently, her family has complained that it's tacky to dress up and that this is a stupid idea. She thought it would be fun and great for photos. Now, how many, what percentage of weddings do you think are themed? Too high. Whatever it is, it's too many. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been to a themed wedding? I never have, but I totally would go to one, not because I want to go to one. It would just just be for the experience. I want to see how crazy it would get. I'm absolutely for this. I am 100% on board. I don't like dressing up in costumes, but I would do it for a themed wedding, especially if the theme was fun. What would you go as in in, for this theme? Royal vampire? Oh, I'd probably a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would be a vampire, but I'll have a crown and a scepter. (laughs) If you really want to be that asshole, you show up as a werewolf. (laughs) (laughs) So... The last time somebody has ranked this was in 2016, and it was a website called The Knot. I think everybody stopped caring when Trump got elected in 2016. <laughs> but 25% <laughs> of couples incorporate some sort of customized theme into their wedding. So, wow. Okay. Uh, on average, you go to four weddings, one of them should be a themed wedding. One of them should be themed. 
Well, I mean, my wedding technically had a theme, and it was we're not going to spend a lot of money on this. <laughs> every wedding I go to, uh, the theme is drunk. That's what I get every time I go to a wedding. <laughs> Matt, Matt shows up in costume. <laughs> I learned from your 22nd episode that Atlanta is actually the ninth most popular city for vampires. So I'm surprised I haven't been to a vampire wedding. (laughs) Proof of life that you actually do listen to our show. I appreciate it. I I used your show as research (laughs) to be on your show. Uh, We've just Ouroboros this entire concept. I got to say, I don't think she's the asshole at all. I think her family sounds like assholes. The people who say this is tacky is an asshole. The person who said your wedding idea is tacky, you're an asshole. Yes, they are the asshole. Now, what I love about this, though, is that typically on am I the asshole, they say either you're the asshole, not the asshole, or everyone sucks. And this has been rated as everyone Everyone sucks, sucks. (laughs) which is perfect for vampires. Hilarious. Oh, oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> because this person is obviously not the asshole. It's their wedding. Yeah. They get to choose the theme. And guess what? If you don't want to participate in the theme, either have a frank heart to heart conversation, heart to unbeating heart conversation <laughs> with the bride and say, hey, I don't feel comfortable showing up in costume. However, I would love to attend your wedding. Is that okay? Uh, <laughs> Let me let me pitch you this. Let me pitch you this. You go buy a bulk thing of plastic vampire teeth. You have your wedding party dress up as vampires. And throughout the course of the wedding, okay. they change other people into vampires by like using a marker or something like that. You turn it into a game and then you give them some plastic vampire teeth and boom, they are in costume. Party favors right there. Party favors. I love this idea. Thank you, Cap, for being the peacemaker. I think... You could take it a step forward and have one person dress up as like Van Helsing or Blade and really just get in there and maybe just don't tell the priest that's marrying you at all. Do not mention it. Who officiates a royal vampire ball wedding? I would bring a, a legitimate priest I would bring 100% a Catholic priest in. Not tell him a single thing. And they're standing there with the rosary and just like... <laughs> Hopefully it's not an outdoor wedding, because that just ruins the whole thing. A daytime wedding? It can't be a daytime wedding. If you're doing a royal vampire ball-themed wedding, it has to be at night. And you know what, though? That that sucks for the photographer, because now you're like, oh, nobody's going to show up. (laughs) (laughs) The easiest photography wedding job ever. Here's a photo of your venue. Here's a photo of a field. (laughs) But yeah, the best part about a royal vampire wedding is that you could literally show up dressed however you want. You throw in those fake teeth. Now you're a fucking vampire. Yep, yep. Or you just throw, like, get something to throw on for a cape or go buy a Seinfeld pirate shirt and put it under your suit and you're there. That's like, that's all you need for a Oh, pirate. that's right, the, the, pu- the puffy <laughs> shirt, right? The puffy shirt. Yeah, I showed yeah, up in my yeah. puffy shirt and I had to wait for the wedding party exactly. to turn me into a vampire. But then when I did, I took my jacket off. Boom! Oh, vampire. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, boom! Blah. <laughs> I would wear... I would... <laughs> I would wear the the Seinfeld puffy shirt and say that I'm a uh, ghost submariner p- sailor from a from a from you're, a ghost you're ship. A, on eternal watch. I think is what. Yeah, I'm still, still on patrol. I'm still on patrol. Yeah. But while you're on patrol, maybe you could come across maybe another asshole that I think you wanted to talk about, Matt. Oh yeah, that's right. So this is just a fun topic. Uh, it, it, it's it's kind of Halloweeny because it involves sharks and shark attacks and Australians uh, and tricking people for sure. Which <laughs> and Australians actually, you know, you are in the uh, you're in the first few episodes of Shrimp and Crits, so you know the importance of shark attacks in that universe. Absolutely, uh, Cap. Would you like to explain the importance of shark attacks in the Shrimp and Crits universe? How can we describe Sheriff Donnie Terrence? He's a Southern police sheriff who uh, doesn't quite have all his marbles. Uh, he blames just about anything that goes <laughs> on in the town of Gullicochka on shark attacks, whether they happen in the forest or like a motor vehicle accident. <laughs> Most everything is going to be blamed on shark attack. And he's a uh, yes, he's Floridian. Yes, the whole right? show takes place in Florida, so he sounds like an actual Florida sheriff. Oh, meth lab exploded shark attack. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who's been dealing all this cocaine? The sharks. The <laughs> Either the sharks or the jets. Take your pick. <laughs> Oh, uh, there you jokes. go. There you go. Uh, but tell us about your shark attack story, Matt. Yeah, well, a Western Australian man caught a great white shark. Talking about being an asshole, he removed the location tag and set off fake warnings all throughout Western Australia. 
an Australian catching a great white shark is just like someone in the South noodling for catfish, right? They just put their arm down there and pull one out. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's I, not I, a no- yeah, that's not a shark. <laughs> that's a shark. Yeah, right. <laughs> the idea of this guy catching the shark barehanded wrestling him and stealing his tag and then releasing him to the wild <laughs> yeah it, it does not say what, how he caught the fucking shark but Jesus he caught a great white shark that's kind of crazy right it feels illegal <laughs> yeah, it does feel illegal well so it's funny is that he took the transponder and he thought <laughs> you know like he must have had one too many fosters with his friends and then he um went around to set off buoys that detect the, the tags in the waters off the coast of Albany several times between August and September of this year. <laughs> he was charged with one count of stealing. That's it. <laughs> and two counts of giant testicles for catching a great white shark. Yeah, no shit, right? Yeah, yeah. And getting your hand close enough to pull something off of it. <laughs> What I think is that one of the funniest things about this is the government of Western Australia has a $5 million budget for mitigating shark hazards. <laughs> That's fair, though. What are they going to do about crazy? this goddamn jellyfish, though? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you know what? I just read with the advent of climate change, jellyfish are kind of exploding in oceans. But also with sharks, there was one that was spotted off Cape Cod the other day. When you say real- exploding, you mean population explosion, not literally exploding jellyfish, right? They're exploding jellyfish. It's like a shark native. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The last thing I'll say about this shark thing is that, again, the government of Western Australia, they have a targeted shark tagging program. It's actually been highly effective. Uh, 51 sharks have been captured and released since 2019, not including the this guy who stole the tag. <laughs> that one was caught twice. Uh, so there's two things that I love about this. One, the Scooby-Doo villain-esque <laughs> idea of scaring, scaring beachgoers away using a great white shark tag. And two, uh, and this is perhaps the most Halloween-y element of it, uh, by virtue of removing that shark tag, unless he killed the shark, that means there's a rogue great white out there that's not setting off their fucking alarms. <laughs> Holy shit, I, I didn't, I did not even think of that, but you're right, someone's gonna act, oh my god. <laughs> you just created a stealth shark. <laughs> uh, well, much like that shark, this guy is guilty. <laughs> Hopefully one of those submarine goes to take it out. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Uh, some kid's going to die now because of this fucking asshole. Well, you know, they charged him with stealing. So, yeah, yeah. I, I keep imagining with all these uh, submarine ghosts that World War Three is going to be like the end of Lord yeah. of the Rings where Aragorn goes and gets that ghost army. And we're just going to raise all of our still on patrol soldiers to fight eternal war. Speaking of ghosts, <laughs> I believe you had a topic for us, Cap. I do. I, w- I want to set the scene for you too. Imagine it's 1930. And imagine that you've been accused of a crime. Nothing too serious, because you both seem great. Well, and you're led by the arresting officer into a pitch black room and left in there alone. Okay, so in this scenario, have Matt and I both been arrested? Because I'm definitely rolling on him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, luckily, you'll have the chance to roll on him when the animatronic skeleton begins barking at you. What? And what I'm here to talk to you about today is the crime skeleton, or as U.S. Patent 1749090A calls it, the apparatus for obtaining criminal confessions and photographically recording them. I was like, first of all, I was like, oh my god, I'm in prison, or I'm got arrested, something bad's about to happen. Wait, I, I'm getting a free show. Like, <laughs> What I love about this topic is that it's bringing us full circle back to where we started. Because at the beginning of the episode, we were talking about scientific ways to prove that ghosts exist. But now we're talking about scientific ways for ghosts to prove that we exist. (laughs) (laughs) For ghosts to prove that we have committed crimes. All right, so tell us about this amazing patent. Uh, This was a post that it, it seems to be from a Tumblr page, originally posted by My Good Babushka. But all right. this, uh, you can see diagrams online if you type in that patent code. It's all available freely. This was patented <laughs> in 1930 by a woman named Helene Adelaide Shelby. What I find most interesting about Helene is that she was a real estate mogul. Never invented anything else, no other patents ever. <laughs> but in 1927, she decided that criminals were uh, recanting their confessions in court, saying they were under duress. And for some reason, she decided that to make them all under duress, to make them all under duress <laughs> even more by using an artificial skeleton. So you would go into this dark room, and there would be this diaphanous veil 
hanging over the skeleton that would begin to light softly from beneath and above. Behind the other side of a wall would be an operator who would then speak through a megaphone that is in the skeleton's <laughs> mouth. And its eyes would light red and blink when it was asking questions, which I think was to hide the camera taking pictures. So, this is a real Wizard of Oz situation. This is a Wizard of Oz situation. <laughs> she had cameras in the skull and a megaphone in the skull. It would light from behind this curtain, so it, it wanted to look like an astral form, like it was a projection of your own guilt in this dark room. And oh her theory was God. that criminals would confess all of their sins to this crime skeleton, and they would record the audio and record pictures of them speaking and use it in court against them. Question this immediately. The premise of this would seem to indicate that there are thousands of confessions every year at America's many haunted houses. <laughs> Locally in Philadelphia, we actually have the East State Penitentiary, oh, which puts on a haunted house. house every year, famously haunted, and also briefly held uh, gangster Al Capone. Oh, wow. But under this logic, just the, the, the mere appearance of this should elicit criminal confessions, and then we could lock them right up in the penitentiary. And I've worked at a haunted house before. <laughs> Nobody has ever confessed their sins to me when I jumped out and scared them. <laughs> the Did sin you, is working at I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it sounds fun. It does sound fun. I just went to one uh, a few weeks ago, actually. It's pretty good. That, that was actually a royal vampire wedding. <laughs> oh, man. I, I would totally go to one, yeah. This... This... Invention of the crime skeleton was never built, but I looked hard in the patents. There's patents for every piece of machinery that goes into this, but nothing I for the it. skeleton itself. And I'm wondering if they wanted to use a real skeleton or a fake skeleton. I don't even know. There's nothing in the patent about the Ooh. skeleton itself, and I'm very interested. So I think that they would probably, it's the 1930s, they would probably source a skeleton in unsavory ways. Now, while this is post- Resurrection Man era, where people were like robbing graves to supply medical schools with autopsy cadavers, yeah. with with cadavers, yeah. While it is post Resurrection Man, it is certainly not after the filming of, uh, and I think we talked about this on the show before. The first Poltergeist film actually oh, yeah. used real skeletons in the yeah. human bones. Yeah, they used real skeletons in the uh, scene where they they started popping up, and Craig T. Nelson was fucking terrified, and they stole those corpses from India. Oh, and by stolen, I mean were... purchased, purchased legally from a certified vendor of human corpses. Oh, wow. God, geez. Were they, were they fair trade? <laughs> I, I, I certainly <laughs> hope so. Organic. I think if this crime skeleton were built today, they would just use the Home Depot oversized one. You can the 12 foot tall skeleton. <laughs> yeah, that's what they should use. They should use. I mean, yeah. I think this is like the most pandemic safe way to interact with other people is through the crime skeleton. <laughs> if you're getting groceries or at the bank or like confessing sins to a priest, they should hide behind the crime skeleton. What if instead of using like a standard crime skeleton for every single criminal that comes in, what if we only use this for capital crimes and use the actual corpse of their victim? Or if they cater to their own specific worst fear. And then now you're talking about Pennywise from Now Man. I'm talking about Pennywise. Pennywise. <laughs> or Scarecrow from the Batman franchise. True. Oh, that's true. That's true. Who, by the way, is a PhD, so you should probably listen to what he has to say. It sounds he like would, the person um, who would build the crime skeleton as well. <laughs> I, I can imagine the scarecrow no, I, the crime skeleton. Put him in front of the crime skeleton. <laughs> That's my best Batman. That was good. I just love the ingenuity behind this. I think uh, we should put Helene Adelaide Shelby in the history books for this one. I just wish I had a crime skeleton for my house. I've got a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. And... <laughs> When it comes time to find out who spilled paint on the carpet, I think the crime skeleton could probably get to the bottom of it. <laughs> you could do it up for the holidays. It could be like the uh, skeleton on the shelf, you know? Skelly on the shelly. Yeah. Skelly on the shelly. <laughs> Don't do any sins in front of the skelly on the shelly. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That, that got me scared, man. And I know you're not a skeleton. I couldn't find if the megaphone had any distortion on it or if you were just hearing some California guy. Because this <laughs> well, was the 1930s. Oakland, I don't know that they had distortion. Hey, Mac. Hey there, Sonny. What did you do? <laughs> oh, so everyone's got the transatlantic accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey there, Mac. What, did you do this crime? I know you did. He's got moxie. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan already told us the truth. <laughs> it's just it. If you don't tell me your crimes, you're going straight to hell. Ah, oh. Like the penguin from Batman. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Probably a little bit less Wizard of Oz and a little bit more Necromancer of Oz. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. 
How much to build one of these, man? I want to see a working one. I'm sure we could find you the price of that patent. Start a GoFundMe and build a crime skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> it's in 1930, which means the patent's probably expired. So we're probably not going to get sued if we actually start producing a crime skeleton, right? <laughs> what if we What if we didn't tie this to crime? What if we just... Uh, what if we made like a, a skeleton barista? That's what I'm saying. It, it's perfect for the world we live in today. It, it was the uh, Supreme Court that uh, ruined the crime skeleton for everybody in 1961 when they ruled that coerced confessions were not admissible in court, putting the crime skeleton buried in the ground for good. If you choose to confess your crimes to a skeleton with glowing red eyes, that's not coercion. That's just you being unnaturally afraid of a perfectly <laughs> normal haunted skeleton. Oh my gosh. <laughs> With the voice of a transatlantic cop. Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but speaking of sins that need to be confessed, uh, I have a feeling Matt's going to have a meeting with the crime skeleton after he uh, shares his next topic with us. Uh, well, I, 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 I... The crime skeleton in this case would be manipulated by his loving partner, Elise. Uh, I want to say that I cleared this topic before, but I didn't. And so let's get into it and then, I'll, then we'll explain it. There's a meme, this photo here. Uh, it says, Source Mythologie du Vampire. It's our sci-fi, a French sci-fi show. Um, and it's a redhead with piercing blue eyes, a woman, young woman, and she has like Photoshop fangs on. It's pretty terrible. Uh, and it says, According to Greek mythology, redheads become vampires after they die. So let's get a little bit into the first claim here. Um, again, I live with a redhead. The first claim that they become vampires after they die is false in real life. They are vampires from birth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. At the, the bottom of the meme, though, it says uh, in in medieval times, Romanians believed redheads with blue eyes were vampires. And this is actually true. This is kind of getting into a race of vampire called the Strigoi. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Strigoi are Eastern Slavic European vampires. They're typically women are typically younger. They're typically more fit. They're redhead with pale blue eyes, and they have more freckles than other redheads, which is how you can pick them out in a lineup. Sounds like people are just jelly. Yeah, that's really what it was. I feel like in the Greek mythology, they like set people on fire thinking they were vampires. So imagine how scary redheads were in the world just running around thinking man i hope they don't think i'm a fucking vampire today <laughs> it has its pros and cons a uh, pro you know it's kind of <laughs> cool con you could get fucking burned at the stake you know i don't know i'm gonna weigh those options the, my favorite part about the medieval hunt for witches and vampires and shit like that yeah is like things are fine until they're not fine yeah they're like we, we need to have a really uh stake to heart conversation <laughs> 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 if you know what I mean. <laughs> You've been living in this town for 27 years without incident. And you're, but I had bad harvest this year, so... Uh, and you haven't... You gotta go. You, you've been in this town for 27 years and you haven't aged. You're a fucking vampire. <laughs> I saw you at that royal vampire ball wedding. <laughs> they, they just call them weddings, right? Someone's like, oh, I don't have to dress, I don't have to dress up. Just, uh, yeah, way to stigmatize it, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so our redheads vampires, you know, uh, until after they die, I think we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, does Elise have a will? And if so, does it stipulate the manner of her burial? Because if she stipulates cremation, then maybe that might be an admission of guilt. Ooh, time to bust up the crime skeleton in the Casa de Saint sing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in my way. Um, you know, uh, if she has a, uh, last will and testimony, I'm guaranteed I'm not in it. So I have no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this will so old and written in Victorian English? Oh, so yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> However, now it says in medieval times, Romanians believe that redheads with blue eyes yes, were vampires. Yes. I believe Elisa's eyes are brown. They are brown. I believe they are brown too. Contacts. <laughs> is it because they're so rare? Because redheads with blue eyes are just extremely rare, correct? Is that where this myth came from? About 2% of the world's population are redheads. Hold on, my tinnitus is kicking in. Just a second. Cap, I'm not sure how familiar you are with tinnitus, but every now and again, people who are in the military will just get a... It's like a whistle tone. Sure. You share, you share that with uh, metalheads. That's the least patriotic way to get yeah, in exactly. your ears. <laughs> <laughs> My closest friend is in the Marines and is a blue-eyed redhead. Oh. Enough. And he's been in the Marines for like hundreds of years. It's weird. Oh, there you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> he can't he can't die. They tried. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, what's, you know what's crazy about that? After hundreds of years of life, still can't read. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you got oh, that one's from that one's from my dad, who's <laughs> <laughs> who also can't read because he's a marine. <laughs> Speaking of undead things, I came across a uh, a claim on Reddit in the r slash zombies survival attacks subreddit. Ooh. Very niche. Yeah. This comes from username Boo B W. <laughs> so it's not Halloween boo. themed. It's not Halloween it's themed. Boo. It's Boo. It's boo. It's it's like a boo. It's like a bougie it's like, ghost. It's like pew setup. pew pew, but it's boo boo boo. Yeah. It's boo 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 seven two three. And the question is why does? Or well, actually, it's more of a statement because it ends at a period. But it says why does Amazon? Okay, it starts with the word why, ends with a period. That's mm, not that fair. Is what it you is. know what? Throw it out. We're not even going to talk about this. Throw now. it out. We're not covering the topic. <laughs> uh, but why does Amazon Web Services, in their terms of agreement, mention zombies? Uh, read 42.10. It's 100% real. Anyone can find Ooh, it. Well, sounds like a fucking nerd who reads everything he clicks, the updates and shit like that. Spoiler alert. I happen to be anyone. I found it and I looked into the history. So <laughs> what happened was in 2016, Amazon released Lumberyard, which is a video game engine. <clears throat> it's designed to compete with Unreal and other engines that, that would be used to create video games. In the terms of service, 4210 says uh, basically that you can't use this for any life critical activities, whether that be like, you know, pacemakers, heart monitors, okay. ambulance dispatches or any uh, like military use in live combat. It's essentially an indemnity clause saying we don't want you to use this for anything that could cause somebody's death. It's a video game engine. Don't take it that seriously, gotcha. please. OK, OK. All right, so you could use it for, say, military training as long as people's lives aren't on the line. However, this restriction will not apply in the event of the occurrence certified by the United States Centers for Disease Control or successor body of a widespread viral infection transmitted via bite <laughs> or contact with bodily fluids that causes human corpses to reanimate and seek to consume living human flesh, blood, brain, or nerve tissue and is likely to result in the fall of organized civilization. That well, is so specific. It is very specific. If society is going to collapse, what makes you think the CDC is going to be around to say anything? Or a successor body. And the successor <laughs> body could just be a group of people huddled around a, <laughs> a VW van in a zombie post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> so what I think is really interesting about this is, one, it has to be certified by the CDC or a successor body. But they have a caveat there. It's like it's not just if zombies attack or if there is a zombie viral outbreak. It has to be likely to result in the fall of organized civilization. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's a double caveat. Not only is it like it's fine if you use it for a life saving or life critical purpose, as long as there's a zombie outbreak. But that zombie outbreak has to be likely to. In other words, if you can take them to court for it failing to preserve somebody's life then you can't use it for that. And it's a nice catch-all clause. So what what I love about it is that you can have a little bit of a zombie outbreak. You just can't have one that's going to collapse society. Oh, we got a, we got a regional zombie outbreak in Seattle right now, which is totally fine. Yeah, don't use, don't use it. Don't use, don't use their yard. But if, they, don't use but it. if they're like, oh, hey, the zombies now control Omaha to Seattle. So I'm like, all right, you might be able to use this. You might be able to use this. And I live... <laughs> A few miles down the road from the CDC, is that good or bad for me? You'll be the first one to hear that it's okay to use Amazon's lumberyard <laughs> services Perfect. for life critical life activities. activities. <laughs> Real quick, if we're examining this claim, one, it is absolutely 100% correct. Awesome. Amazon does have this in the terms of service for the AWS lumberyard materials and user license agreement. Two, why is it there? Because some guy was fucking around. He was like having fun. Someone at Amazon has a sense of humor. Is it an Easter egg or do they know too much? Oh, that's fair. Like what's Amazon? What's Amazon aware of? What like, does the they Z have their own stand for in their logo? <laughs> from A to Z. What is that? From asshole to zombies. That's what Amazon. That's, that's how this episode has gone too. Coincidence? Oh, bum, bum, bum. Oh, Cap just dropping in to drop. Oh, I do love it. I do love it.
All right, so why does this exist? Why is it in there? And I think the answer is simple. This text was first identified in the press in 2016, immediately after Lumberyard Materials launched, which means it was probably leaked because nobody's reading the end user license agreement. Yeah, yeah. Which means somebody at Amazon probably leaked it to the press and then they wrote stories about it. Uh, they wrote stories about it. It's like a it's guerrilla marketing campaign. It's a guerrilla marketing campaign. Totally makes sense, especially when you consider their target user, which is people designing video games. All to cover up that Jeff Bezos is a necromancer. <laughs> <laughs> a space necromancer now. Yeah, right. He's he's become too powerful. <laughs> he's a he's a cosmonancer. <laughs> <laughs> well that's a that well, that would be different that'd be somebody who casts spells having to do with space matt learn your greek roots jesus <laughs> <laughs> so what are the implications here uh there there really aren't any it's just a way to gin up attention for their new program the cdc actually did something pretty uh similar in 2011 when they put out a zombie survival guide which just so happened to have tips that would also be useful in other disaster situations <laughs> uh But I think we had one final topic related to a classic Hollywood monster. It is a barn burner. I'm so happy. uh, (laughs) If you want to go ahead and stop the podcast now, that's fine. We can't stop the podcast now. This next topic could probably be an episode in its own right. Okay. Okay. Well, from the depths of no stupid questions are no stupid questions. There are literally no stupid questions there. It's impossible. By some Luciferian (laughs) bargain, it somehow becomes not stupid. You meet at a crossroad. There's a man there. He's wearing a hat. You can only see his eyes uh, underneath the brim of his fedora and they're glowing red. You shake his hand and the question you ask him becomes immediately not stupid as if by magic. Surprise, it's the crime skeleton with his glowing (laughs) red eyes. (laughs) And you're going to jail. <laughs> so this is from user Stoner Popeye, who I imagine finished Pan's weed. So Matt has a Reddit account that he hasn't told anybody about. <laughs> if a female werewolf is pregnant and she turns into werewolf form, does the baby turn into a wolf? <laughs> and I want to preface this by saying, do not Google pregnant werewolf. <laughs> do it. Don't do it on your work computer like yeah. I did. It's not a good look. Oh man, I, I, I want to be on. I want to be the IT guy at your work. You'd be like, "Hey, cat, yeah, can you come can in I'm- here? Um, just keep, keep it at home. All right, we don't care what you're into. Just keep it at home." I, I, le- I love this question. I think for me, my 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 initial response to this is only if the dad is a werewolf, which is why I created a very helpful Punnett square. <laughs> the Punnett Square oh itself shows that it will either be a werewolf, be just a wolf, or be just a human. So the Punnett Square isn't really helpful, but gives us three very good options. Mendel is so proud of you right now. <laughs> My ninth grade biology came back when I heard this question. I was about to say, middle school science teachers are up going nuts right now. <laughs> Do we know if the curse of lycanthropy is the dominant gene or the uh, well, res- recessive? I, I looked up a few different um, examples of this happening. Ryan, you're a nerd. <laughs> Do you know what Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition says about lycanthropy? Actually, I don't. I, That's I've surprising. Played, <laughs> so the wonderful Wizards of the Coast <laughs> think that you can... Become a werewolf through scratches and bites from a werewolf, or if one or both of the parents is a lycanthrope. Uh. I would disagree with that because I don't think lycanthropy should be spread through scratches in mythology, but the, the, like, I'm a big fan of the bite. I agree with you. The bite. Like zombies, vampires, werewolves, transmitted by bite, claw attacks? That is some propaganda bullshit. <laughs> it's anti-lycanthrope. <laughs> And I'm offended. <laughs> so as like a, vampires a, who, if you get bit, you have to get buried and then brought back up to become a fully fledged vampire. To become a werewolf, you have to be touched by the light of a full moon. Oh. In the womb, you're not going to be touched by the light of a full moon. I think that's boring. I love the idea. Unless of, the mom is like trying to make a werewolf and she's sitting out there with her fucking legs just up. It's like naked. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh my God. 
No, 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 no. Because there's there's this like uh, like hippie crystal movement where you're the sunning where you yeah, where you sunning your, your asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you expose oh, your butthole and genitals to the sun, this is doing it at night. Gain energy. This is doing it at night. Yeah, <laughs> this is just nocturnal. Same thing. So you might encounter this at a yoga class full of werewolves. The funniest thing about the funniest thing about that is you you'd want it to be a well lit night. So it'd have to be like so much light out there that you're like just naked in a fucking field with your legs up trying yeah, to Yeah. It's called a full moon, man. That's fun. what creates werewolves. Fun. Yeah. Half moon's not gonna do it. Oh man. You're not gonna get enough light penetration in your butthole to get to the baby. <laughs> Question brought me down a rabbit hole that I don't recommend for anybody, especially the images section. What's the rabbit hole in a werewolf's butt? Yep. <laughs> hundred percent images. You get that little, uh, the bowels of a preview of images on Google when you type something (laughs) and it's just not, I'm not going to kink shame. There's something in here for everybody. That's what we should post on our Instagram. This like Liz, a pregnant werewolf. I'm doing it right so now. I'll post that on the shrimp and crits page. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see your facial reaction to the pictures that come up when you Google. Uh, images. Pregnant werewolf. Okay. Here we uh, go. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google. <laughs> oh my! This is weird. Okay, I clicked on the images. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, they're so big! They look I like know they're the huge. They're huge. <laughs> I think that is to assume that there's like four to six wolf pups in there, perhaps. <laughs> I feel like I feel uh, like that, that, that makes one hundred percent sense. Except that like dogs don't get that big when they get no, pregnant. They, do not. they don't quadruple in size. Well, in the like, in this one that I'm looking at, this image, it's so funny because she knocked the table over with her big pregnant belly in this fucking. <laughs> it's like it shits on the floor. It's like she's like, oh, I'm too big for this table. Are, are you talking about Lacey's massive werewolf pregnancy on DeviantArt? Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's let's make sure we give full credit. This is by Doom the wolf so a lot of these seem to be uh related to the furry subculture it would seem so yeah uh like i'm just making assumptions here based on the style of artwork a lot of these are very anime influenced which is common in furry artwork (laughs) i would like to offer the caveat and explanation that although in popular culture the furry subculture is, is sort of pigeonholed as a sexual fetish it's not a sexual fetish yeah it's more like a spirit animal type thing it's like an avatar out there that people use on the internet uh or in real life at conventions in giant mascot suits so i i do want to be clear that we are not making fun of furries here it's just that a lot of this artwork is furry adjacent and a surprise on it is it is very fair it's just it, it, it's a, a surprise on now your let us, computer. Now let us continue to laugh at this gigantic pregnant werewolf belly. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the the funniest image I'm seeing here is Luigi from Mario and Luigi as a pregnant werewolf. What? <laughs> <laughs> that is a preggy werewolf Luigi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> preggy werewolf Luigi. There's your episode title. Congratulations. Yeah, this is this is insane. What's really interesting though is that. All of these images, for the most part, are like gigantic bellies. Like these yeah, are huge. Yeah. These, these are way bigger than any human or animal has ever experienced. They're like giving birth to full grown werewolves. <laughs> and there's a lot of debate on the Internet on if it would be a single birth or multiple pups. <laughs> I found in a post in 2019 by a Judas Slipper on a Harry Potter wiki. That noted turf and walking cautionary tale J.K. Rowling states that uh, <laughs> if two werewolves meet and mate at the full moon, the result of the mating will be wolf cubs, which resemble true wolves in everything except for their abnormally high intelligence. Okay. I thought you were going to talk about their genitals, and I was really excited. <laughs> How excited, Ryan? <laughs> uh, John Ham excited. No, sorry, I buried that. I buried that. I buried that. Now it's a zombie John Ham. Dick. Zombie John Ham's dick. (laughs) Still impressive. It is still is decaying, but it is depressive. I didn't expect it to get back up after we put it in that grave, but there it is. Just rising from the grave. Just a turgid monument to the raw sexuality of that man. Uh, There's uh, really no discernible answer to this. Um people are still arguing to this day and then there's always the one person who's like nothing would happen uh, werewolves aren't real 
And that's where I stop that for them every time. And they're just I was I'll say this. Um from what I know about werewolves is they're not wolves, they're just like taking on wolf-like qualities. They're still human. It depends on uh your folklore. Either they can turn into full wolves or okay. some hybrid in between. I like the hybrid in between. Yeah. I like I like the teen wolf one where it's like you got um Michael J. Fox out there playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer to use the lore from Alpha Mated and Pregnant by Olivia Hawkins, uh-huh. which is available in Kindle edition on Amazon. Oh. Ordering. <laughs> Hold on. Current, it says it's currently unavailable. How is a digital how the author must have decided that this is no too longer good. available? So yeah. it, it says enjoy free with Kindle Unlimited. It's too good for us. <laughs> <laughs> is that it's in the Disney vault for another twenty years, and then we can oh, get it out? Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's right there next to Song of the South. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, do yourself a favor. Don't Google werewolf pregnancy. I do. Like, I think I got I got a laugh out of it. I mean, I'm not saying not to do it. Like, just don't don't Google werewolf birth because any sort of birth video is going to be disturbing. Yeah, if you think that your uh, tailored advertisements were bad when you started listening to my podcast, they're about to get a lot worse. <laughs> they're about to get a lot. Cr- it's great material, though. It's great material. <laughs> you know what else is great material? It's the music of Rick Reynolds. Oh, love Rick. I love Rick too, and I'm sure he is. Pleased as punch to be associated with massive werewolf pregnancies. Uh, so I, I wanted to thank him for the use of his song United from the album Portals in Progress. Um, he is available on Amazon, iTunes, and Spotify. And we also, of course, want to thank Cap for joining us. Check out Shrimp and Crits, which you can find on whatever your podcast listening app of choice is. And just to give you a taste of what they have to offer. Hey, sorry to interrupt your favorite podcast, but I'm here to tell you about Shrimp and Crits, an actual play podcast with a southern twist. My name is Ian, and I am the keeper for this show as we play Monster of the Week by Michael Sands. If you like the sound of swampy monster mayhem, gators gone shopping, and magical fairy mischief, you will be right at home in the remote panhandle town of Gullicochica, Florida, where spooky danger has begun to wash ashore. Shrimp and Crits is the story of Sarah Payne the Mundane. All I'm asking for is answers. That's all I'm looking for is the truth. Ari Green the Searcher. You know the proclamations of the fame. I suggest you follow them from now on. And Ray Ray, the most mundane monstrous you will ever meet. Mr. Zeus, I'm a I'm a big fan. I, I knew you were I knew you were real. Um and Ray Ray's just like bowing in front of this swan. As they fumble their way through protecting their skeptical town from mysterious evils. We release new episodes every other Monday on the podcatcher of your choice. Hope to see you soon soon in sunny Gullicochica. If you if you liked what you heard in that promo, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and on uh, TikTok at Shrimp and Crits, S-H-R-I-M-P-A-N-D-C-R-I-T-S. If you go over to our website, you can find our Shrimp and Grits recipe <laughs> if you were Googling and mistyped. <laughs> And uh, you can interact with us anytime on the Cash Junkie Discord server in our Shrimp and Crits um, in our Shrimp and Crits channel, and we do live listening parties every other Monday for the new episodes. Oh. All right, and I'm going to say two things about that. One, even if you didn't like what you heard in that promo, as a listener of our show, you are obligated <laughs> to go to the Shrimp and Crits website and listen to every single episode of their podcast. And even if you don't like it, Know that I like it. And that's all that matters. And that's all that matters. Yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. You can also follow us on social media. We are Wreck Your Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We have a Facebook listening group and a like page. Uh, we also hang out on the Discord server. What's the name of that one again? Cast Junkie. Cast Junkie. That's right. I just type it in and it automatically comes up. Uh, we also have a Gmail, wreckyourpod at gmail.com. Go ahead and send us your complaints, your uh, claims to check out. Your favorite pregnant werewolf pictures. Oh, I honestly, <laughs> well, send that to, go ahead Do and it. send that to Cap. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead and send it to, go ahead and send it to our email. Matt reads it yeah, now, so. Yeah, yeah, I'll be into it. <laughs> Somebody's got to filter through Someone's it. Someone's got to filter through uh, that I, I Luigi wanna... Prego porn. <laughs> 
I want to ha- I want to thank everybody for hanging with us through this extra special, extra long episode. We have been blessed by Cap's presence on this episode of Don't Wreck Yourself. I really cannot express enough gratitude for the work that you put into producing this Halloween special with us, and it's very, very much appreciated. Thank you so much for having me. If you if you want to have me back next Halloween, you just call me up. There you go. You if, if if Matt hasn't killed me by then, perfect. <laughs> and even if Matt has killed me, if Matt ghost, has come back killed as a ghost. Me, I will come back as a ghost. You are invited onto the show. Perfect. <laughs> if John Ham hasn't sued you into the dirt by then. I will be here. There you go. There you go. Uh, apology to jo- all John's hams out there. All John's ham out there. So, if between now and next week you find yourself hovering over that share button, wondering whether that werewolf pregnancy picture is worth sending to your friends or even emailing to us. We encourage you to don't even bother checking yourself. Just go ahead and send it. (laughs) Uh, But if it's anything else, you make sure to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. We are united, but we're so far apart and it won't change till we change. We are, but we won't. Oh. All your secrets are safe with the crime skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> the post-credit thing is a little bit gratuitous. What is this? The Marvel Cinematic Universe? One, two, three stars for your podcast. Ah, 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 ah.